bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. This week on the show, I was very honoured to have my Reiki master, Sarah Brooke, on the show. Now, I mentioned a long time ago, I think probably back at episode 50, that I was going to be putting in more subjects and content into the podcast that was broader than just plant-based transformation stories, because life is just a wild ride. Why not look at and explore other ideas and things? And even though I love this podcast being majority plant-based healing stories, I also like other things. And I thought maybe some of you would also like other things. In fact, I know many of you like other things. So I'm just a curious person who's curious about many different subjects. And Reiki, as some of you who've been listening know, is something that I have trained in. And last December, I completed my Reiki master teacher training. I'm very passionate about that healing modality as something that has really helped transform my life. It's been a soul journey for me. And I know that that soul journey phrase is something that's a bit played out and sounds a little bit cliche, but it's cliche for a reason, because I think many of us We get to a point in our life where we think, oh, there has to be more than this. There has to be something bigger than this. What else is there? And that has been happening to me and from, you know, probably many of you along the way where my health improved and things got really good, but there were just times where I felt this heaviness, this kind of empty hole in my chest. And when I was exploring, you know, why I was overeating, why I was eating the way I was eating compulsively or emotionally eating, it just always came back to that there was something like a hole that felt like in my heart that needed nurturing and connecting with. And Reiki was that for me. It's really given me that. Now, people have their own religions and their own beliefs. I'm not saying that Reiki isn't a religion at all, but definitely for me, Reiki was a way of connecting back to myself, to returning home to myself, to listening deeply within myself to say, hey, you know, what's going on? What do you need? And being able to really hear answers from my spirit for the first time and align myself with a deeper knowing and integrity and authenticity that I perhaps hadn't experience before. So Sarah Brooke, my beautiful (laughs) Reiki master teacher, both of us find calling ourselves masters a little bit icky and hard to say, but that's this lineage came from Japan and master means teacher. So that's why Reiki master teacher, that's what we are. We're teachers of Reiki. And Sarah has been a teacher of Reiki for around 10 years now. And I'm just going to read from her website because I just can't seem to do her justice. So I'm going to just take her words. Nowadays, Sarah has trained in so many different modalities to really 
support her practice as a healer. So currently she is working as what she describes as a soul medicine therapist, a Reiki master teacher, ceremonialist, and a sacred space holder. And she works with people who are seeking deeper truth and meaning to their lives by helping them discover their innate power, connect to their inner compass and trust their heart's truth. So Sarah now is completely online. She used to do in-person consults when we first met, but now she's completely online after COVID. And her online work is just as incredible, if not more incredible in some ways, because you get to do it from your house, <laughs> which I love. So she offers now one-on-one -on -one soul medicine healings, which incorporates Reiki and all of her different strengths and modalities that she's learned over the years. She also runs womb weaving ceremonies where you get to rediscover the ancient mysteries of your womb and ignite your creative passion, pleasure and magnetic power. She also does soul medicine ceremonies, which I love. She runs Reiki trainings and plant pods, which are using subtle plants to connect to the plant and gain a deeper understanding of yourself and the plant along the way. And she also has a shop on her website called Be Earthed, where you can purchase incense, potions, alchemical essences, Reiki blankets, and lots more beautiful, beautiful things. And her website is spaceinbetween.com.au. That's where you can purchase all of her lovely things and book in to work with Sarah as well. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about, well, Reiki. But it's interesting, we kind of went on a little, I don't know how you would describe it. We ended up in all kinds of places. We ended up in all kinds of places in this conversation. So we talked about Reiki and what is Reiki and energy healing. In the beginning, we talked about being authentic. We talked about righteousness and judgment that's going on with all of the COVID-19 divisiveness and polarity that's been experienced around the globe. We talked about plant ceremonies, psychedelics, and we also talk about Sarah's beautiful, beautiful work. So we're talking more about Sarah's work at the end, and I can't wait to share that with you. I really look forward to sharing this episode with you all. I love Sarah, and chatting with her was a real, was just a, just a joy as always. And I'll see you all at the end of the episode. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Corinne. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And as I just was saying, I've wanted to have you on the show for probably, I reckon, like two or three years now. Yeah, I think it probably was around that time when you first asked me, but I just, um, as we were saying, everything always aligns in perfect timing and I can kind of see the weaving of why it's of resonance right now and I just trust it this time, like, I know that sometimes we'd we'd organize to book in things and then it didn't eventuate so that you know that when it really does align, it's like, yeah, this is the time that it's um meant to be. So I kind of, even though it's been a long time coming, I love the, that weaving that has happened to get us to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, for me, this week we've gone through a pandemic since we've been waiting and I've completed mastership training with you, teacher training with you yes, as well. Yes, you have. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Which was just an absolute honour and a privilege for me and I am just so grateful for. And I guess one of the things, for those of you who don't know, Sarah is my Reiki master and I wanted to bring her master and teacher and she's been basically my mentor for, I don't know, nine, eight, 
eight years? Yeah, I think it is. I was thinking about that this morning and I think that's, you know, maybe why we started talking about timing and alignment because that's what I've loved with witnessing your journey from when you did Reiki 1 and we started working together. I think that would definitely have been eight years ago and then just slowly and steadily you've continued the rest of the journey when you felt that authentic call which as a facilitator is just a delight to get to witness someone blossoming into themselves over a, um, yeah, basically like a decade of time. And I was looking at you on Saturday when you were assisting me and I was just like, oh, you're just in your bloom and your radiance as a woman, but who you truly are. So it's such a delight to um, to get to witness that. Yeah. I was thinking this, uh, I assisted Sarah in a Reiki one training on Saturday on the weekend, just gone. And you were talking with your participants about that, the change that comes after connecting with Reiki. And I was thinking about that lightness and, and that lightness expanding from, you know, your heart when you were talking about that little flame. And I was thinking about it for myself in my life and before Reiki I did feel this heavy sludgy caca as you said around (laughs) around me and I don't obviously I still have shitty days and I still Mm. have shitty moments and I'm all of the things (laughs) yes and and sometimes (laughs) and me too by the way And sometimes those things are ugly things. I don't want, don't wish that were were me, but I'm also those things. But I do, as you also said in that training, return to myself and to love and to peace and to that space within me quicker. And honestly, I didn't before in in, in any tangible way. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that I love about Reiki, the practice of Reiki, the Reiki pathway and what it's opening up and offering to people is that it really truly is a way of coming home to yourself and of being able to access this energy of love for yourself whenever you want it. And yeah, you can share it with friends and family and become a practitioner. But first and foremost, it really is such a support for the individual. And I think, again, what I love about Reiki is I'm not, we're not really sharing some crazy quick fix or some miraculous healing. It's just helping us to be better, more loving humans that can still have really crappy days or have really uncomfortable and even, you know, awful things happen in our lives, but having that capacity to resource ourselves with universal healing energy is such a gift that we can then, you know, it's like a a reprogramming of where we can love ourselves through all of the, the yuck as well as when we're having really amazing moments in life too. Like it's not like we're getting to some destination of like, oh, I'm a Reiki master, which I have a real almost, I still do have a um, an aversion to the word master because I think sometimes in English language that um, kind of puts people on a pedestal where it's like, yay, I've mastered my life. But I mean, I think as Corinne and myself of being 100% transparent as Reiki masters in inverted commas, we're just human beings doing the best that we can in each day. And we certainly haven't mastered some I don't know, some fantasy thing where it's like, oh, tick, I'm now whole and complete. 
I've done the work. And, you know, from a Japanese or Chinese translation, that um, masterwork comes from sensei, which is actually teacher, teacher, guide. And so it's interesting the translation that then's come forward. I mean, sometimes I will intentionally leave the master off when I'm describing what I do because I really am just teaching people about energy, their own energy, how to love, and just sharing whatever tools and techniques have really supported me along the way. But what's worked for me might not be the same as what works for you or someone else. And so I think that's super important as we're coming into these times, not having teachers on a pedestal of having all of the answers, but there's a beautiful weaving and alignment where we come on path with certain people at different times that are just helping us to remember what is already true within us. Yes, and I think one of the things I find challenging in that master pedestal is because when you're working with people and they don't get fixed in inverted commas straight away or they don't get cured or they don't get healed in the way that they want. And one of the things that you, because going to Reiki, learning Reiki one and then coming back and assisting with you on Saturday and you were saying something that I said to Ranjit, shit, I've been totally butchering my explanation of Reiki. So to everyone, I apologize because I've been just, it's just love, you know, you're coming home to love. It's just true. But love isn't always gentle. No. It's not always gentle. And you, often it can be an initiation by fire where you're, yeah, on that table having this, oh, this un- physically uncomfortable or, or a light bulb moment or a, yeah. or a thing that, that is saying, oh, my gosh, I need to, you know, leave my partner or I need to leave my job yes. or I need to do this thing that I definitely don't want to do but my soul's now saying very loudly you don't want to but you have to. Definitely. And so I think – Sometimes in our industry, Reiki is kind of presented as this lovely, relaxing experience. And yeah, it can be like a lot of the time, absolutely, you know, so soothing, so calming, so amazing for the nervous system, so amazing for um, physical healing for the body, for sleep, for creativity. Like it is definitely all of those things. But Reiki above all is truth and clarity and it's like shining light through all levels of who we are physically emotionally mentally and giving space then for soul our spirit our inner compass our inner wisdom whatever wording is most comfortable for people to resonate with for that higher intelligence higher mind the organic pulse of nature that knows how we need to grow and evolve and you know as human beings we get stuck sometimes Particularly, I know the way that I was raised as being a good girl, I was super good with putting everyone else's needs above my own, kind of an expert at doing that, and then really followed the script of, yeah, in order to be a happy, fulfilled human being, I need to go to uni, I need to get a good job, I need to do all of the Western things, and then in my mid-20s be like, oh, my God, I've done all of the things, and I am so unhappy, so depressed not right. And for me then finding Reiki was um, a beautiful coming home, but also a real stripping away of that which was inauthentic, which wasn't my past. So, you know, often when someone comes to a Reiki training, whether or not it's Reiki 1, Reiki 2, 
you receive an attunement and that attunement is like changing the voltage of life force that runs through your body like with batteries or with light globes where you're turning up that intensity and the first thing people are going to start to see is all of the stuff that they haven't been looking at where it's like oh wow you know I think myself personally I'm the best person at gaslighting myself and kind of wrapping myself up if I'm not wanting to see things or being like yeah one day I'll get to doing that or yeah it's okay and then when you receive a Reiki you receive an attunement that energy is like no it's not okay this is what you need to focus on and sometimes that can be an internal um, initiation that happens, but a lot of the time it can also then be external events that happen which then put people back on path or to really actually see, oh, I've outgrown this relationship, this situation. Oh, I'm in this job that I actually hate and it's kind of killing me. I need to um, now have the courage to move on. And so in many ways, even in those very uncomfortable moments, you know that this energy of Reiki's got your back and that's part of the momentum that's helping you to change. doesn't make it any less easy, but there is this propulsion. So sometimes that love is like a gentle whisper and nurturing forward of go do this or here you're going to meet the love of your life. And then other times it's like a swift kick up the ass of come on, it's time to move on from this. We're going to rip this old pattern out of your hands. You need to pay attention and you need to back yourself or you've got these really toxic people around you that you need to remove out of your life. Um, So, yeah, relaxing is part of it. Truth, clarity is probably the best way that I would describe it as well. And above all, healing. And so sometimes healing's really soft and gentle and sometimes it's cathartic and it's an underworld journey of death and rebirth. Yes. And when you said on the weekend, I love this way, because when we think about light, you know, light workers in inverted commas, light work, we don't, we, on the weekend, you're talking about like shining a light into an old attic or basement. Yeah. And when you shine a light, you see all the cobwebs and the shit and the things you haven't yeah. thrown out and the crap up there. And I loved that analogy because it's such a beautiful way of really being, kind of really dismantling that light work yeah. m- myth that it's just yes. love and light and rainbows. Like the light shines into the places where you've been hiding all your shit. 100%. And I guess just on more of a, um, I guess a grounded way of looking at it as well is it's shining the light through the subconscious and the unconscious mind. So that's then going to bring up things from the past, things from our ancestry, things from society where it's like, oh, wow, even though I've been carrying this around, this isn't, doesn't actually belong to me or it's not resonant anymore or it never belonged to me in the first place, which can be incredibly liberating, but also confronting when some that sometimes that stuff comes up where it's like, oh, I haven't been living my life for me at all. I've been living my life in the way that the world's told me to live. Mm. Which is something that so many people, we, we just, we're on autopilot. You know, you're just walking yeah. through your life on autopilot, thinking that what you believe and how you act is you. Yes, not realizing that it's your mum and it's your grandmother and it's whoever your your society and culture and all of those things dumped onto you, your ancestry. Yeah, it's a lot, and that's what one of the one of the things I've loved working with you is is as my, my mentor and teacher is having you shine that 
light to me and say, hey, Corinne, you can't save everyone, for instance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was massive. That was massive for me to re- realize that I had this belief that I had to save everyone. Yeah. And that my actions were, you know, and then, and this podcast is part of that, you know, part of that belief yep. was that I needed to make a podcast so that people like my brother and my dad and whoever and myself could have it, hope, you know, could have hope. Yeah. And, and, Definitely. and, that comes, the root of that is that my desire to save everyone, you know, I make it go worldwide, yeah. I'll save everyone. Yeah. And then when the change doesn't happen or people, people that I want to impact, like my dad, don't change, it was so massively hurtful in my heart because of that underlying I should be able to save them and I can't. And letting that go yeah, and letting them be themselves and yes. letting them have their own power, internal power and their own self-determination. Yeah, and it really is that ultimate act of true love when we can love someone regardless of what level of consciousness they're at, regardless of what's going on in their life, to be like, I can see everything that they could potentially do to get out of that, but even so I'm still going to love the hell out of them regardless and that's a big shift of consciousness. So I think when we're going back to kind of the love and light brigade, this is why love, light, and shadow is the path of wholeness. We're light and dark. And if we don't look into our shadow and darkness, then this is when we're going to transfer our own inner pain into some cause externally to us to try and rescue and save the parts of us that actually need rescuing and saving. And on some hand, you know, sometimes that can create really beautiful movements and a lot of momentum for change. But sometimes we become the very thing that we don't even want to be, which is pushing our viewpoints, tools and techniques on people that are simply just not asking for it, wanting it or ready for it. So, you know, having to work on the wounded healer because it's that's a massive archetype in um, human consciousness and it comes down to that drama triangle of the victim archetype, the per- the perpetrator and the rescuer. Like that is a drama triangle of consciousness that we can get stuck in where we've all been all of those three archetypes. But as long as we are trying to rescue someone, we put them in victim. And then we're also going to always constantly be making someone or something the perpetrator. So I think we're at a really interesting point in human evolution that we these are the archetypes we actually need to break out of. And part of the um, archetype that helps us to move beyond all of that is the energy of the mother, of coming back into Mother Earth, of mothering and reparenting ourselves, of knowing that we actually have what we need within ourselves to move through the the wounds and the pain that we can resource ourselves and um, start to bring in what it is that we need. But that's a real reconnection back into earth and the mother consciousness. That's been my experience of it anyway. That's kind of like the antidote of running around in this drama wheel, which creates a lot of fear and feelings of powerlessness that um, when the rescuer can transcend to, I can see this person in their highest light that they've got within them exactly what they need. And I'm going to be here to back them in whatever way they need, rather than trying to do the work for them. Because we can't do the work for anyone else as much as we would love to. It's just impossible. Yes. And it's interesting you say that for many reasons, but the one thing 
for me on my own journey of being like, you know, why haven't these people changed? You know, why haven't these? (laughs) Because I've been in that triad. I've been like this victim of loss. Yep. You know, this victim of a great loss from my brother dying. And then that I've also been a perpetrator for sure, but that desire to rescue then was very strong to rescue everyone so that nobody else had to go through what I went through. But in what you're saying, whenever I've looked back over all the people who come on this podcast and the work that they've done, the ones who now with what you're saying, I'm just reflecting on it now, who who have the greatest impact and who touch the most are these people who just are so overflowing with they're doing their own thing. Yeah. And and they just have so much radiate so much love and trust and yes. and no forcefulness in how they communicate their message and their story. Whenever they meet anyone, they're just joyful and they're really believing in that person wherever they are in their life. And it's a different now that I'm thinking about everyone who I think, wow, they really got their whole family healthy and they really helped their community and they've done great work. It's not from a place within them that's like, oh, you have to, you know. No. It doesn't come from that force whereas i'm i i think for me part of part of my journey was not forcing but being like definitely deeply wanting them to change and yeah wanting the outcome that i wanted rather than letting it go and trusting that it will all be fine and work the way it's meant to work does that make sense for that person totally and i actually think that that's a normal part of the healing cycle that we start to heal or we start to find these tools or we um start making lifestyle changes and then we start feeling better and it's like oh wow why isn't everyone doing this like there is a pain in kind of becoming more conscious and aware of certain things and destructive things but then I think we've got to go that step further and recognize and have the compassion that everyone's where they're at and real change comes from when we're sitting in our heart space not our mind and not judgment not attack not that energy of war where it's like I want to push and force and make someone take on this because we all know being on the reverse of that, if someone starts pushing something at us when we're not ready for it, it's just like, you know, get out of my space, stop pushing your agenda on me. Whereas when we're truly ready to organically grow into that next phase and then someone pops up and and a glowing example of what's possible, then it's like intoxicating. It's like, wow, they've they've got something because they've gone through another step in the journey that I'm ready to go through. And I think for me, when you know when you're talking about different people that you've come across, what people that really inspire me are the ones that are absolutely in their authenticity. So they are their true selves. They're just being who they are with no attachment to how it's perceived or received and then they end up making the greatest impact because they're not trying to push or force or make something happen they're just doing it and people are then watching and being like whoa there's like a magnetic energy that's happening around this person and hey I'm curious I want some of whatever they've got going on because that feels like it's right for me and that's when I think it's coming back to what we were saying before Um, And I might have worded it slightly different, but I I just truly believe that everyone has their own um, really important soul medicine to be sharing with the world in their own unique way. 
And you just imagine a, a, a world where everyone's in that alignment and we can then really come into these spaces of unity consciousness where, um, you know, we're all supported to be our unique selves, but then that's helping the greater good raise as well. And so for me, something that I always come back to with my clients and my students, my number one priority is helping them to be more authentic so helping them to be themselves. So either, you know, that might be validating or encouraging the hell out of them or sometimes it's like it's being more of the fierce mama and being like, you know, what are you doing? Like and having to be that voice of truth for someone, which sometimes isn't really comfortable, um, but with whatever I can do just to plant these little seeds so that above all there's a raising of consciousness and awareness. But then what people then do with that consciousness awareness or that new light and truth that's up to them to do. Mm. And you've definitely been both to me and I, I really appreciate it. I I think that the times when you've given me, I don't know, a little nudge, nudge, a little yes. nudge, nudge. <laughs> when you've listened to the way I'm describing something or the things I'm talking and have said, hmm, you know, how does that sound to you? You know, how does it sound? Or especially around relationships and friendships. And I've, and I've felt like, you know, oh, God. <laughs> And, you know, and, and immediately you go to kind of, most people, myself included, you go to this, my first place I go to when someone kind of gives me a little correction, not a correction, but a, what's the word, a, pat, a tap on the shoulder and says, hey. Yeah, I think sometimes I'll call them like the soul knock knocks. And it was interesting as you were talking, you kept touching your heart. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. It's a knock knock back into the heart because sometimes the mind doesn't want to see and recognize things, but it's so much easier to see it in another person. So then obviously then that reflection, but sometimes it's going to take a little while to then be okay to come back into the heart because we're going to go either into defensive mode or self-criticism or just be like, oh, no, I don't really want to see that yet a bit of kind of denial too. Oh, exactly. And for me, I was going to say shame, self, that self-criticism, yes. shame. That's the first place I go where it catches my breath and I feel yeah. like, oh, you know, that's horrible. And a lot of us, a lot of people, we don't like going to that shame place. And Brene Brown talks about it so beautifully that that's such a – taboo kind of emotion and feeling that we all don't want to feel and we're all marinating in it our whole life from every aspect. But with working with you and working with energy and in in this kind of healing work, it is about getting to feel that and love that part too. Yes, and this is what I love Reiki. I love hands-on healing parts of Reiki. I love Reiki as a, a distance session. And look, Reiki is transmitted through hands. It's transmitted through eyes. It's transmitted through voice. And then most of all, it's transmitted through presence. So as a facilitator, you know, being able to hold this anchor of love regardless of what our client is carrying, including dense emotions like shame or guilt, and particularly with shame, like it does not want to be seen. So we will have layers of defense, layers of judgment, layers of protection around these pockets of younger versions of ourselves that are feeling shame that really do not want to be seen. Reiki is like this beautiful healing cocoon that comes in and just loves the hell out of all of it regardless of what it is. So it's different from other 
healing um, approaches, which I think everything has its place. And I think there's some brilliant other techniques out there that are very necessary at different times. You know, other healing techniques might go in and then, you know, just balance the shame out where it's like, okay, we're just going to balance this out or we're just going to um, reprogram this out. And again, they've all got their time and place, but Reiki's just going in there and loving the hell out of it in presence. And that's often what the younger versions of ourselves really needed was just love, acceptance, safety, like the basic things that all human beings need. And once we feel that, then there's full permission for that emotion to shift. But usually that emotion's there and it's carrying guidance. Like for shame, it might be that knock, knock, hey, you did something really shit to yourself or another person. So let's not do that again. So when we can hold the shame and be like, thank you for kind of redirecting me to where I want to be. Yes. And that what you were saying before about that remedy for the wounded healer returning to that mother that mother space yes that is what you know what reiki is kind of doing is yeah from what you're saying definitely and i know myself when i you know, had an instance of shame a long time ago and i was doing just some you know i did a little bit of inner child on myself and i was sitting with this eight-year-old me and my blundstones and my flanny <laughs> And my stirrup pants, and and it's so profound having that that wisdom. So on the when you're having a reiki, having that energy come into that shame memory or that shame moment, and say, "You're still incredible and perfect." Yeah. Even though this happened. Yeah. It doesn't detract from you. Yeah. Let's solve the little pieces that made that happen, but let's not make all-encompassing and taking away from the true essence of you. Let's love you anyway. Yeah, definitely. So you can have all of that happen. And even with that, there's this luminous presence that can hold you regardless of that. And so then that's such a gift because then that is that life foundation that it doesn't matter what happens. There's this mama presence that can come up and hold me. And I'm actually that as well as all of the humanness yes absolutely and that helps us be authentic yeah because when we're not soaked in shame we actually can connect to our authentic self definitely and part of being our authentic self and this is something that I've come to really realize over the last couple of years because again it's that thing a bit like oh this all sounds very romantic being my authentic self and that will be amazing when I'm more and more of that but actually what happens and this has been super confronting for me so I've transcended from being the good girl and being so focused on serving everyone else's needs above and beyond myself to them coming more into my authenticity, more into my power. That is triggering as hell for people that aren't in their authentic energy or power. And it can be quite polarizing. So sometimes you have people that are just like, oh my God, I want something from you because I can feel that you're somewhere that I want to be. And other times people are seriously repelled because they're like, whoa, I don't know what to do with this. And so my biggest lesson has been to not take responsibility for people's projections because I remember a mentor of mine saying, Sarah, you know, 50% of the world's going to love you and 50% of the world's going to hate you and that's all good. None of that is your responsibility. No one else's perception of you is your responsibility because we can never truly know what's going on in someone's mind and the perceptions and judgments that they've got about themselves that they're projecting 
outwardly. So that was a big game changer for me. And it's something that I continue to kind of get these little knock knocks from soul on of like, you know, even though this person's gone really weird on you right now, this actually isn't anything to do about you. It's where they're at because you're growing in authenticity and they're just not ready to go there. On the same hand, I'm also quite happy if I have stuffed up and I've done something, which I'm going to do because I'm human, to take responsibility for it and use it as a, as a growth experience as well. So it's that balance between not taking responsibility for someone else, but making sure that you are actually taking responsibility for the impact that you personally are creating. Yes. And on that note, it can be hard, I think, for me as well and many people to accept when you fucked up. Yes. Oh, gosh, because then it, it it brings up all of the shame. And if we've not dealt with other times in our lives where we fucked up, then sometimes when we then fuck up, all of the fuck ups that have ever happened are then moving through our body and it can be completely overwhelming. And if we're not fully resourced so we don't feel safe, we don't feel supported, that's when we're just going to shut down and we'll lock it into our bodies for another day because that's a trauma response Mm. where we'll go into the nervous system kind of flight, fight, freeze and when the body's doing that, you know, all our creative thinking, all of our balanced emotions, that just goes out of the window. We've gone into pure survival mode. So I think sometimes that can happen and we don't even realize that that's going on. And then we beat ourselves up afterwards, sort of look back with compassion and be like, oh, no, that was actually really traumatizing that I was in fight mode and I've caused harm to someone else or vice versa. Um, so it's not until after where we full there, feel then fully resourced and safe enough to be able to start going back and unpacking and learning from what's taken place in those moments, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. I guess for people who are listening, it, it doesn't – one thing that I've really tried to learn from working with you is that it's okay wherever you are at that moment. Yeah. Because I'm not always going to receive constructive feedback graciously and... Hell no! (laughs) (laughs) Me either! (laughs) I'm a real, when I get, when my husband especially, or my kids say something to me, that's basically, mum, that wasn't great. You know, you didn't do that great. That was a poor thing to say. And I say, you know, things multiple times a day that I think, ooh. And when they give feedback to me and say... I didn't like that or you shouldn't have said that or blah, 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 blah. I am someone who will freeze. Yeah, yeah. I'm a freezer and that's really alarming to people around me because they're like, you're a talker. (laughs) So when I'm silent, it's a big, whoa, you know, mum's mum's quiet. But it is that my brain goes quiet and I I find it really because I'm gathering all this shame and I'm then going, well, my brother gave me a really good nothing saying once when I was having a fight with my mum and I was winning, you know, I was so right. <laughs> yes. In my mind I was so right and she was so wrong and everyone was in this chaos because I was so right, you know, just. Well, and there's a war going on. When someone's right and the other person's right, there's going to be war. Yeah, there was a battle, a battle, and my brother texted me and he just said, all right, what's your end game? What's your end game? And that was so massive for me, him saying, like, what's the end game of this? Do you want mum just destroyed on the ground and you're over her with your trophy winning against your mum in this (laughs) 
this battle. I know, right? Is that what you really want? Your elderly mum who raised you and did the very best she could, you're going to just quash her and put your foot on her chest and say, I defeated mum. And then, and then what's the end goal? Because then you don't have a relationship with her. You don't have a relationship with dad. You know, your kids don't. And it was just for me now when I'm sitting in that silence, I literally hear him say, look, what's the, what's the end game? You know, what's the end game for this? You know, you can retaliate. You can say, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't do it the right way. You were wrong and I was angry and you were a pain in the ass. And blah, blah, blah. Or I can sit here and say my end game is that I want a loving family. 100%. And it's like so beautiful as I was witnessing you sharing that. I'm kind of getting this vision of two little kids fighting and their mum kind of standing over them and mum and the mum energy can see they're both right and they're both wrong. Like there's no, it just is what it is. Yeah. And then for her energy to be able to come in and to soothe both of those children and go, it's not about you being right or wrong. It's just, this has happened. Let's move through that. And I think this is one of the things that is for me really popping in the human consciousness and the collective right now is this, I think one of the things that was most confronting for me personally last year was the righteousness that seems to be um, becoming more and more extreme where it's like, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. You're just feeling this kind of energy of division and separation and judgment that we are actually, you know, we're probably going to go more extreme through this before we get it right. But to be able to then come into something that is beyond the judgment of I'm right, they're wrong, to come into the mama consciousness and be like, okay, well, we've both got different varying perceptions, but it doesn't actually mean that I'm right, I'm wrong, but how can we come together and collaborate to move forward and through? And that's where there's like a aha moment or a shift of consciousness where we can let go of being right, coming back into the heart and being like, well, I'm just going to have to accept that, you know, we've got varying different perceptions and it's not about right or wrong. It's about coming together and collaborating through it. Yes. And just before I go on, I wasn't right. <laughs> I was, <laughs> she was also right. She was also yeah. right. We were both. But I didn't at the time, at the time, at the time, I was 100% right. But I, now upon reflection, I know that there was a two people that were wrong and two people who were right in that situation. But what you're saying, I think, is really, really important. And I'm so glad you're saying it because you, we are all seeing this everywhere, this righteousness. And it's hard being, I, I think I'm a mid type of person, you know, like a, a feel in the middle of 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 the of the left and the right of the anti-maskers maskers of all of the all of that and and it's it's a difficult space to navigate but what you're saying it's so feels so resonant with me that we 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 need to think about the end game what what happens if one of us is totally right what happens to the all the half, the half, it's literally half the Western world that is wrong because people don't like to be wrong. No, because then that creates shame and then we've got a society like we do now of all these shamed little kids. Like, you know, there's not a lot of people that have matured into adulthood, like truly gone through the initiations of becoming a, a healthy 
human being who has emotional intelligence that can take responsibility for their actions and impacts. But when everyone's feeling like the shame child, of course we're not going to heal and grow because we're all kind of hiding and highly traumatized, actually. Absolutely. And I think that what you're saying is when we are shamed and when we think about you know, why people so violently go go one way or seemingly violently go one way or the opposite way, Yeah, you're right that it is rooted mostly in shame. And, you know, when we look at, like I was reading yesterday to a friend because she was talking about her friend who was deep in conspiracy theory world and, and I was talking about that education and often there is this, like, lack, there's, there's this shame that that's comes from and fear that comes from not knowing and uncertainty and wanting to know and holding on to conspiracy theories makes you feel like you know something really special that no one else knows. And 100%. And then there can be a real sense of belonging. I found people that understand me. I mean, that's such a multi-layered um, sitch uh, because I don't think it's a, there's a black and white because I can I can actually see it from all sides and this is where sometimes I struggle because I do have the ability to see through all sides and I'm just like, oh, gosh, because I also don't like what's happening if someone's even got a remotely alternative view about something now then it's just this total dismissive, oh, you're yeah, up for... You're a tin hat wearer. Yeah, and so let's not listen, whereas, you know, there's important things to be discussed across the board but when we're flicking straight into judgment and then just boxing someone as either or this is what I was talking about of last year these schools of righteousness from both sides yeah it's it's Ranjit my husband if you don't know and you're listening he's one of the things I love about him is that he he's he's, he's trying to, he's been trying to get his echo chamber online his algorithm to yes. really show by liking both both yep, things me so, that, too. so that he can read both things and hear both yep. sides so that he knows yep. what's going on in both edges of the yep. duality of yep. po politics and of, you know, the COVID situation. And, yep. and I like that because I do think that it is about if we don't know what, if we're not willing to even sit and listen to what their fears are, what their worries are, how can we ever connect with them? 100%. And, you know, I'm like Ranjit. I want my feed to be diverse. I want to hear from many different voices. Even if I really venomously disagree with what someone's saying, I welcome having the diversity in my feed because it allows you to kind of see that differing opinions and perceptions and we're not going to be able to move forward to like you've so beautifully said, well, you know, what's the end goal of where we're all wanting to head with this because we know if it keeps on splitting that's just going to create more of an energy of war and we really are in a war now it's very different from any wars that we've been through in previous times but there is this battle that's going on for attention and consciousness mm, absolutely i don't know i don't know how it could happen so i don't think it's with freedom of speech and i don't want to not have freedom of speech but yeah. but and I, and I think that lots and lots of moderation is a challenge as well with freedom of speech online. But one of the other things that Ranjit regularly said to me years and years ago has been my great, he's been my great teacher. Thank you, baby. But when I would get angry, <laughs> angry, I mean, angry vegan police and people would say a post and I'd write, don't you know <laughs> this thing is horrible that's happening to the animals and you're participating in it and 
you know, whatever it was. And I would say that. And in my mind, in my self-righteous, I'm totally right mind, I, at the time, I would think once I tell them that baby chicks are being ground up alive, that they're going to go, oh, I'm Corinne. I did not know. And I'm so sorry. And I'm never going to eat eggs again or whatever. And Ranjit would say, I'd post a comment and I'd write and I'd set, put links and attachments and make it like a university essay, you know. Oh, my gosh, don't you know this? You should know this. And Ranjit would be like, you know, why are you up till midnight writing this fucking comment on this post? He goes, have you ever had someone write you a comment on your post that was against your views and changed your mind, especially when they're so uh, you know, oh, self-righteous. No, no way. one has. It's like no one ever changes their minds from this, babe. You are just wasting your wasting energy, time and energy. And then, then more trolls come and they attack your comments, and it just goes and goes and goes. And he was right. So I just stopped commenting anything that like that because you just you're not gonna get. Honey, you're not making honey. You know, people aren't going to come and have some of your honey. You're making vinegar and it's, oh, and it's. No, and a lot, I mean, a lot of times when we're as important as certain causes are, like animal cruelty and all of that, it's really important to get awareness to it. But when we're coming from it with righteousness and anger, it is never going to make any change versus someone, which I think you're really embodying the energy of now, which lives that ethos. And then people start to pay attention where they're like, oh, what's going on with Corinne's glow and where's she at? Or when you're working one-on-one with people or in small groups, would they start to ask questions and you're like, oh, do you know what happens with baby chicks? And then it's presented in a very different way versus, oh my God, look at this. And it's just going to create more division and separation and people aren't going to listen. And so I think this is also why the importance of doing the internal shadow work of looking after our traumatized child, teenager, because that's often where a lot of this um, has come from. If someone's really coming onto a cause where they're feeling that righteousness is because there's a lot of internal healing work that needs to happen. And once that happens and they're coming from the compassionate space, that's when the impact really happens. I mean, I think as you beautifully articulated at the start of our interview, when you look back on the people that are legitimately making real change, it's often when they're coming from their heart space, not judgment. Yeah, yeah. And judgment's freaking hard to let go of. Yeah, well, the mind's always going to judge. That's what the mind does. Mind wants to put things into nice, neat little boxes because it allows us to feel safe. It allows us to assimilate information. And so there's real skill in coming out of the mind, coming into the heart and being able to go, yeah, I'm judging this thing, but I'm now going to love the hell out of it as well. And this is when looping back to Reiki, that's what Reiki is all about. Mm, Absolutely. And so for people who just want to begin the journey or continue on with their journey what would be just because I know we're just I could talk to you all day but (laughs) but we don't have all day I'm mindful of your time but what would be daily rituals or ways that we could connect with and embrace our own everyday magic or how we can return to our authentic selves or let go of that space of judgment and come into our hearts from our from our overly noisy monkey minds. Yeah. 
absolutely. So a few little things, really watching screen time and having at least, a you know, certain moments of the day where you're not looking at your phone, you're putting it down. Getting out into nature can be a really powerful and quick, efficient way, again, with no distractions. So like not going on nature and then listening to a whole lot of music or checking your phone and taking photos, but actually going out into nature and being in nature, sitting in nature. Nature will help to mirror back our own true, authentic nature. And again, also just helps to bring us into balance and harmony. And for everyone that's listening to know that you already have Reiki within you, Reiki is natural healing intelligence that flows through us it emanates out of our heart and then there's meridian channels which go all the way down to the palms of our hands so don't underestimate touch and simply placing your hands over your heart taking a couple of big deep breaths and just focusing on your heart that in itself can really shift consciousness out of the mind but combining it with physical touch so you're actually holding and loving yourself and then touching and holding different areas of the body. You can, I mean, you can hold the energy centers if you know where they are and that, all of that, but just actually holding yourself, breathing, and just taking a couple of moments to actually feel your body can help to bring you out of the thinking spiral because thinking's got a different energy to it to feeling and being. So sometimes it's just that acknowledgement couple of big deep breaths because our breath is how we shift energy as well of just coming out and just noticing I'm in this body I'm touching and through my loving touch I'm just going to hold myself regardless of what I'm feeling or thinking in this moment they are really great tips they're surprisingly like surprising for many people how powerful just putting your hands on your heart and breathing into your heart space is because for me of all the things I've taught my clients as a Reiki practitioner that's the thing that they're so like honestly blown away by because when you I I had a client just the other day and I she said I've got I just don't feel good you know I don't feel good if you're listening I love you (laughs) I don't feel good and I'm you know I'm not happy and I don't feel good and I just said look put your hands on your heart and just say, what's up? You know, <laughs> what's up? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? Yeah. What's happening in here? Just ask the question and within and just breathe. But within seconds, she had two huge answers. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. But her head, like you said, her head couldn't solve that problem. It was just racing around feeling angry and annoyed or whatever. Yeah, because the mind rarely is solving anything it's coming up with lists and worst case scenarios best case scenarios but it's only when we can drop our consciousness into the heart that's where our wisdom is that's where we can connect to all that is like the the heart the heart the heart is where you just anytime I'm like right just keep coming into my heart but I guess the paradox is is that heart soul spirit nature all incredibly simple it's simple. Work overcomplicates things is the mind. So sometimes when I think we've got to have all of the healing tools and techniques and do all of the things, it's like, uh, I'm sorry, when I'm super triggered and someone's coming at me and being like, you did this thing, I'm not going to then run all these lists and do all these crazy rituals. But if in that moment I can just kind of remove myself, go outside, sit down, breathe, put my hands on my heart and be like, okay, even though I've done this really fucked up thing, it's okay, I'm going to move through this and I'm going to work through it. That will create change. That will soothe the nervous system. 
that's when the solutions and answers or insights will come, not when we're complicating, stressed. Yeah. And I, what you're saying about needing, thinking you need all the different tools, I need every single crystal and I need every single yeah. drum and I need all of the things and the singing bowls and I need all these things to be spiritual person in inverted commas or to be whatever in inverted commas, but we have it all here. Yes, we do. And it's free right now. You're sitting with your hands and your heart right now. You don't need anything. That is something that I think needs to be spoken about more in this time when we're saturated and drowning almost in different ways of different types of energy healings, different types of classes, and they're they're all great. Well, and when the wellness and the spiritual industries have become multi-billionaire. Industries. Industries, which want to sell us all of the things. Yeah, and all the things seem so bright and shiny and amazing, and so we do tend to, and I'm guilty, I'm so guilty. Yeah, oh, me too. I've gone down the merry-go-round. To come then back, and this is why I love Reiki, to come all the way back after doing all of the things and being like, ah, I already had all of the answers in these simple practices. And the only way that I'm actually going to change is by actually just doing the simple things consistently in every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's so... I think more people need to talk about this because I think that we all get so shiny, bright things. And that's it's interesting because that's... (laughs) <laughs> it's the edges of both of those polarities we're talking yeah. about. And we talk about the masculine and the kind of the feminine and we talk about yeah. each party. We talk about all the gadgets. Like we had a doctor on the other recently talking about why Western pe- pills, pharmacological, pharmacology became such a big thing and having these Band-Aid solutions. And he's like, because men are in the lecture halls at the hospital, at the, at the universities, and they're like, what are the shiny gadgets we've got today? We've got this pill, this pill, this pill. It's all shiny and fun, like a Mercedes or like whatever it is. And they're so drawn to these quick fix solutions that are shiny and amazing. And and the opposite for me is like, oh, what crystal singing bowl, what tarot deck, what oracle <laughs> cards on the other side. Because we're all the same. I know, we? all of the we're shiny the things. Same. It's like the Bowerbird syndrome. I just want to gather all of the sparkly things and then I'll be whole and complete. No. <laughs> yeah, so it's we're so comically funny humans in how we are. So I know you need to go, but I wanted to talk because you are obviously one of my, not to put you on a pedestal, but I love your work. You have changed my life. And your work now, so I did my Reiki mastership, I don't know, graduation ceremony? Yeah, yeah, a weekend retreat away. We had a weekend retreat away and you took us through a a plant medicine ceremony and I'd Mm -hmm. never done a plant medicine ceremony before, really, at all. And you, you know, there was so much to it, but also a a highlight for me was your singing was... (laughs) I could die having heard you sing. It was just so ethereal but also angelic and so many different thoughts came to my mind and it felt like your voice was everywhere in that space, like you had a whole set of pedals and echoes and things and it was just you singing and it was it was next level beautiful. And I just, for people who are listening, I'd love you just to, if you have, if you have a moment to spare, just to yeah, talk about your ceremonies because they are, they take you, Sarah takes you on a journey like no other. 
So with that particular weekend, we were working with Blue Lotus and I love Lotus, particularly her vibration is very similar to Reiki. Like she helps to bring light into the body. And so for me, when it comes to and why I love sharing plants and plant spirits with people, particularly the subtle plants. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that will do ceremonies with ayahuasca and peyote and mushrooms. And I think they've definitely got their space, but the psychedelics can actually be very um, full on for the nervous system. They can actually throw people into psychosis. They can also give people the um, experience of consciousness expansion, but they've still got to go back to their day-to-day lives and integrate that experience. So, look, I think there's a, a space for them, but my realm and what I love is subtle plants. So I do a lot of work with lotus, with rose. I'm doing a journey at the moment with a group of women with hibiscus, because the subtle plants, um, one, they're subtle on the nervous system, a bit like Reiki. They're going to come in and attune someone the way that they need. Um, and for sometimes that can be big healing shifts and sometimes it's just real subtle softness. And the plants, because they come from nature, each of them have got their own unique vibration their own unique gifts it's like you know a hibiscus isn't blooming and then looking at a rose and being like I want to be a rose hibiscus is just like I'm hibiscus roses I'm rose and so when us humans can work with plants in that way particularly the flowers you know their teachings is they help us to bloom as our authentic self and so there'll be parts of us that resonate with the way that a hibiscus works like Hibiscus, she's a super fiery plant, so I find her energy quite volcanic. She's um, awesome for opening up the womb and lifting sexual energy and inspiring creativity and helping um, people to really connect to their sensual body and their senses. And you look at a hibiscus and she commands presence. Like you walk past a hibiscus and it's like, wow. But also that flower only exists for 48 hours, so she's not here for a long time. She here for a short time and it's like, boom, I'm not messing around because I'll be gone tomorrow. So there's a real, you know, there's rich wisdom with that compared to you know, something like Rose. She's got an incredible bloom, but she's got those full-on thorns. So there's the contrast in Rose's power. And when we're working in a ceremonial space, it's creating a, a sacred space of no time where we can really connect to that plant in communion, but most importantly in those spaces, having full invitation to connect to parts of ourselves. And I think in today's busyness and in the mind's complication, all the social media, all the crazy that's happening in the world, to have these sacred spaces to go, I'm going to pause for half a day, a couple of hours, or if you're working with these plants at home, to just have a cup of herbal tea, but to really sit in full presence and allow your awareness to expand that's when really cool things will start to drop in or emotions that you haven't felt younger versions of yourself that need healing will have full permission to then come into that space and um, to work in communion. So for me, working with the plants has helped me to come again, like Reiki, more home to my true nature, more home to the mother consciousness and just to be more comforted and supported as being a human being. So not feeling like I've got to go up and out you know, for me, ascension and embodiment is actually about bringing my authentic nature fully onto the earth and fully participating in the every day, not waiting for moments to 
escape. So that's why for me, working with the subtle plants has felt more powerful than some of the experiences I've had with the the big psychedelic ones for that reason. It's interesting what you're saying because you know I did try just for, for just for my listeners. I'm sorry to say things that might be you might be jarring to you about me as a person, but I figure you're all you're all here for the ride. And I did try as I've you know, got multiple sclerosis, so I haven't gone into many things because I've been aware of the nervous system impact and my nervous system already was saying, I've, I've had a lot, I, ne- I don't need any more buttons, buttons pressed. So I didn't, and I didn't feel the desire to because I think for me I'd had a profound kind of mortality awakening and I, I, I felt like I'd had a lot of learnings that people who'd taken those kinds of substances had 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 and awakenings within myself through through the illness and the level of sickness that I'd I'd had. But I did take magic mushrooms, and when I in comparison to what you're saying, when you're talking about that, it can be when you're not ready, like when you're not like you're kind of spiritual bypassing, you're kind of bypassing yes. learning when you're taking these plant medicines, and I I. Definitely, like I'm not saying that it was all bad. I had some really great experiences on it. But I, when I did the lotus ceremony with you, it was the subtlety meant that I could. One of the things for me that I got from that those both journeys, but one was horrible at the part. <laughs> like a part of it wasn't very fun at all. And I didn't enjoy it. When I was on the magic mushrooms, I took it twice and one time it was wonderful and the second time I took it because I was like it's fun it'll be great but I wasn't I shouldn't have done that it was a silly choice because the plant saying don't just use me like discard me like some exactly for a, on a whim because it's Saturday and you just think may as well the first time I was very sacred and intentional and it was beautiful but second time I was like let's just do this it's gonna be fun and it was and you got schooled I got schooled <laughs> I got schooled but with with the lotus, I was like, oh, when I feel this feeling of a feeling of unpleasantness, whatever feeling, I really was able to. I felt a little bit unpleasant at, at one stage, and I was like, oh, my breath, like it really was like when things feel unpleasant, come home to your breath, come back into your heart, and every time I did that, it would come back to, and come back to Reiki. So I used Reiki in that time. And that's such a great lesson for life. Whereas the other thing was horrendous and I was too, too, too much to even have that in that moment, to have that realisation because the experience was so intense. Definitely. That I was just trying to survive it. Yeah. Whereas this, I got to have that little realisation, but without it being too much or, you know, or terribly dangerous or uncomfortable or whatever yeah. it was great to use in my life as a message yeah yeah so with that and if any of your listeners are interested with working with the plants just be very discerning with who you choose to do this work with ask questions about have they received training how long has the training been for so anyone can buy ayahuasca online now mm. but you know to actually be holding one of those ceremonies for the indigenous they wouldn't even serve that medicine until they're in their 50s and 60s after 20 30 years training um because there's so much that's going on in those spaces. And I think for me personally, but also when I'm working with my clients, I'm like, well, whatever path you're choosing to be on, is it actually creating transformation in your life or is it not? not? And I know that there's plenty of people I've spoken to that, 
you know, might drink the master plants, like sometimes even every single weekend, but the rest of their lives are an absolute shambles. And I'm like, well, you've been drinking the medicine for three, four years, but you've made no change in your everyday life then it's not actually a path of transformation for you. It's a path of escapism and disassociation. Whereas, you know, if you're taking these steps in the everyday, that's where the true actual change is going to happen through purposeful integration and, and making the everyday better, then I'll pay attention. Like if someone has been able to change their everyday life, something, some tool, some technique, some awareness that they've had, some initiation that they've gone through, that's when I'll pay attention because I'm like, they've gone through something to be able to shift this and I'm curious about what that is. Yeah, I feel like the people who I notice, and I'm generalising, so I'm, forgive me, but I do feel like some of these plant medicines are really, the really ones that are more intensive like ayahuasca or peyote, I, f- I do feel like... It makes sense to me that they're hard to integrate into the everyday if you haven't actually had, I don't know, because most things, it's like a car crash. Do you know what I mean? Like you have this 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever experience with this plant, but there's nothing kind of preparatory either side to kind of. No, and depending on who you work with, like someone that's really incredible with this work is Beata Alfoldi. So she will design retreats where you're kind of doing, you know, a week's prep before you're even sitting with the medicine. And then there's a full integration support afterwards because a lot of the time people, you know, well, they'll go to the jungle, they'll get served the medicine, and then it's literally like next day, okay, see you later, get on the bus, go home. And, you know, for the Western mind that's not used to having these experiences, it can be incredibly destabilizing for the identity, for grounding. And there's heaps of cases of people committing suicide after doing these journeys because they just can't handle it. So it's really important if you're drawn to working with the, the more hardcore ones that you actually have an awareness of your trauma, that you've actually probably had some therapy, you know, know how to meditate. Start with the foundations before going off and having this like initiatory journey where the indigenous cultures look at us in the West and it's like, why the hell do you want to drink with the madre? She's called La Purja. They'll only work with that medicine when someone's terminally ill, preparing for death, wants to have an ego death experience. Yes. And that's what it seems like the ego death is what most people are seeking in 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 our society. And I do, what you said is really, I think it's important that we just don't, we we stop taking things so, I don't know. It's like we're, I guess it's everything's like a convenience consumption culture. That person's done and I have to do this next thing. Yeah. This next fun thing, you know, I don't know, whoever celebrity did it, Gwyneth Paltrow did it, we have to do it. But what you're saying about the trauma and that doing the counselling, you know, doing the meditation, do those, do all the things first. Yeah. Do you know your trauma? Have you moved through your trauma? Start there. Mm. Because definitely with the like with me with when I did mushrooms when I've even for me with alcohol we've been in society with alcohol or any kind of substance abuse when we have trauma the ugliest ugh, versions of ourselves come out because. We let the little guard down that's keeping all the, in our unconscious mind. Yeah. And the shit comes out and 
yeah, well, those plants are going to go straight into the trauma. And so, I mean, I've helped people when they've had ayahuasca and they're needing support integration. That is something that I do sometimes with my one-on-one work. And, you know, people that have buried trauma that they actually had no awareness was even there, then it all comes out in that 24-hour window. It is brutal. Oh, Yes, and I went to you specifically for birth trauma. Yes. And I, anyone listening, if you have someone who's pregnant, know someone who's pregnant, I highly recommend working with a Reiki healer, Sarah, myself, anyone, because that was a game changer because the next birth was ecstatic and joyful and incredible. Because I had that trust, as you said, coming back to that space of trust, which I did not have with Iggy at all. And I'd released that trauma, that trauma energy around his birth. Definitely. And look, birth for Western women or for all women is a shamanic initiation. Like as a woman birth, she goes through a death and rebirth herself. Um, I've spoken to clients that have had incredibly psychedelic experiences with birth where they start to open up dimensionally. And so having a support person on your team that understands energy that it can allow you and teach you to work in communion with the wisdom of your body. Oh, it is such a game changer. I I know how much, Corinne, you love working with pregnant mamas. I do as well. It's such a gift. And, oh, my God, if I could go back, because I do work a lot with birth trauma with anyone that comes to see me, and I had birth trauma myself, to have that entry into this earthly realm with a love bubble of support around you, rather than just the Western medicine, which is amazing, don't get me wrong, but to have the holistic, multidimensional approach is where it is at. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I want to let you go because you've given me so much of your time and I, yeah, I love chatting with you. And yeah, how can people work with you now? Because I know you've changed your way of working after COVID. 2020, we've all gone through an evolution and a shift. And so I work with people uh, worldwide in my one-on-one sessions, either in my soul medicine sessions, which is just literally you come with an intention. I help you to tune into your highest wisdom and then it will all just weave in the way that's needed. That also does combine a bit of Reiki, but it's just energy medicine. And I also do womb weaving ceremonies one-on-one with women where, again, we come with an intention, but that's really helping women to come into the wisdom of their womb consciousness and we work on birth trauma, womb trauma, all of that type of stuff. Um, They're the two one-on-one options and I do that over Zoom or I do that via distance. And then I also run in-person group ceremonies in Melbourne and teach Reiki in Melbourne and I also run small group um, plant experiences, call them my plant pod journeys, which go for about a month where we work with a specific plant and um, there's a different theme for each. So I've got a lotus one where it's helping people to really connect into their intuition and their higher self. And the hibiscus one that I'm doing at the moment is really helping to initiate women into their queen energy, into their feminine power, to come home to their sensual body. There's a a rose one that I'm working with, and they are all facilitated online. So they are able to be worldwide. I send you out a little at-home pack to work with. So you've got that tangible, practical aspect as well as the transmissions happening online. I am, as I've said, so jealous of Vesna. (laughs) 
for doing the hibiscus journey, but I really am really looking forward to doing the blue lotus journey again, like doing doing, doing it more in depth yeah. with you. I'm really looking forward to doing that. And I also want to do this womb weaving one now that I've Yeah. I would like to do that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find your website and your social media on social media? Yes. Yeah, so my website is spaceinbetween.com.au. On Instagram, it's Sarah, S-A-R-A, Space In Between. And then on Facebook, it is The Space In Between. The Space In Between. I love your name, by the way. Always have. (laughs) It's a really good golden one. It's excellent. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was just such a joy chatting with you. And thanks so much for just sharing all your wisdom with me and these lovely people who are listening. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to those that have listened. Bye. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to head over to the space in between com.au if you want to work with Sarah. She can work with you all over the world because she works online. So if you're ever in the United States listening or anywhere you are in the world, I highly, highly, highly recommend a session with Sarah. I cannot stress it enough. She changed my life in so many ways. Working with her and learning from her has just been such a profoundly mm, beautiful, nourishing experience for me. I'm sure it will be for you. And you can also find her at The Space In Between on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to getting a chance to go on one of Sarah's plant pod journeys because I actually I fell in love with Australian bushflower essences many years ago. And I, I did their certificate one level one training, learning about all these beautiful Australian bush flowers and their healing properties. And I just loved learning about plants because it just makes sense to me that nothing is a weed. Everything has a purpose for nature or for the animals or for humans or, and just, we just don't know what all of the purposes are yet. So I am excited to go on one of Sarah's plant pod journeys just to learn more about these these flowers, these subtle plant flowers that are that are beautiful and nurturing in their own way and help to kind of give you these some of these really lovely subtle gifts that these plants have to give us. So yeah, I'm very excited. I know there was a hibiscus journey recently and I've done I've done a little bit of blue work with blue lotus with Sarah during my mastership training. It's just fascinating to learn about nature and to connect with it in a different way. For me, I really love it. It may be up your alley or not up your alley. I just hope that you leave this episode with an open mind and an open heart and go into your week feeling the love that I have for Sarah within yourself. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week wherever you are. Stay safe and I'll see you all next week. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier 